Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on cage.press.com. I'm Dana Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC back on pay-per-view this weekend. UFC 285 live from Las Vegas, headlined by the vacant heavyweight title fight between John Jones and Surreal Gain. We'll be breaking down that, as well as the flyweight title fight between Valentina Shevchenko and Alexa Grasso. It's part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, as always, I've talked to two of the fighters who are on this weekend's card. First, I'll be talking to Tabitha Ricci as she gets ready to fight legend Jessica Penne. And, a little bit later on, I'll be talking to Mana Martinez. But before we get to any of that great content for you, I have to let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by the Picket app. The Picket social betting platform allows you to sync all of your bets from all your sports books in one nice, neat little spot, helping you stay on top of the ways that you are the most profitable. Not only that, but it's a great place to connect with other bettors, whether it be showing off your big score to some of your friends or trying to gain a following in the sports betting community. Picket's got you covered. New veteran and experienced bettors are all joining the Picket community. So what are you waiting for? Download the Picket app on the Google Play Store or the App Store today and get in on the fun. The Picket app brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Tabitha Ricci, who fights Jessica Penne at UFC 285. That fight is on March 4th. So, Tabitha, I wanted to start talking about your first booking with Jessica Penne, because back in October, you were supposed to fight her. You were also supposed to fight somebody else. You get not just a cancellation from her, a cancellation from the other one, and wind up not fighting. Was was it frustrating that you didn't get a chance to, like, you know, sort of make use of that October fight camp? Well, what's kind of frustrating for me, uh, of course, because, you know, it's a lot of work to get ready for a fight, you know, especially in a uh, in a big organization like UFC, you know. Uh, plus, I have all my teams, family, everybody that support me was there for me, you know. So I got a little bit sad, but I also is nothing that I can control the situation, you know. The only thing I can control is how I react to the, those, those things, you know, but I think I have... A, amazing team on my side, uh, family, friends that support me, give me good advice. So uh, I think I, I I took that that as a consideration for me as a, like, uh, I experienced, you know, in the MMA, usually that happens often. So we got to be ready for that. So I think, you know, I'm just getting better. And then this happened to me, just give more time to get better in everything else. I love that mentality. Now, I wanted to ask you too about, the fact that you haven't gotten a fight since then, and that that is a whole, you know, almost five months since the original booking. Did, did you did you try to get another fight in that amount of time, and it just didn't pop up, or or were you you know sort of looking to reset and and take some more time? Yeah, I was I would I was trying to get this fight uh, rescheduled as soon as possible. You know, I was talking to my manager, but you know, websites pretty book, you know, there's a list and then they book in very advanced the card. So it was kinda hard to get him as soon as possible, you know. But soon they did 
asking to me to fight, I just say yes as soon as possible, you know. Well, that's good. Now, you also said I wanted this fight booked as soon as possible. What, was it important to you that it was Jessica Penne? And if so, sort of why did you really want that particular name? I just want as soon as possible because, you know, I'm ready. You know, my body feels good. I've always been training this. always do this. My lifestyle, you know, uh, anyone that they give it to me, I'll be fighting. You know, but I soon, but since I got to fight Jessica, I, I think it's a good fight for me. She's like, uh, she's one of the OGs of the division. She started the division. She's a big name, you know, so I think it's a good challenge for me. I like those challenges and, uh, Yes, so I'm very excited to fight her. That's great to hear. And we'll talk a little bit more about that fight a little bit later on. But I also wanted to talk about the fact that you said, you know, you you feel like you've got more time to get better. you got more time to sort of focus in and hone in on your skills. You know, looking at your training videos that you post on Instagram and stuff like that, it looks like there's a huge focus on strength and conditioning. You look like you're getting very a lot stronger. It looks like you're doing tons of stairs and cardio and stuff like that. Was that a big piece of, of the time off in between October and March? It's just some videos that I re-record, but, you know, I always train like that. You know, I just don't have nobody to record me in the other, other sessions, you know. It's just a little piece when I have time to record. But that always being like that, and I always been training like that, uh, I don't know, since I, I was born. Well, <laughs> it's certainly paying off then. And I also wanted to ask you, about your wrestling a little bit, too, because, you know, like you said, you're, you're working on everything, not just the strength and condition, not just the things we see, but also it seems like every single time we see you in the cage, not only do you look stronger, but you, you look like your wrestling is improving a lot every single time out. Is, is that something that you, you've put a lot of extra focus into over the last few camps? Yes, I do. I have an amazing wrestling coach, Carl from Hoffer. He's, you know, he's a, I never saw somebody like him. And I do enjoy to train wrestling. I really love, you know, I think I can mix it up, some good stuff with the judo too. Uh, so while we, uh, we took have a, uh, a lot of time practicing that, yeah, I just love the wrestling and I'm really addicted to learn this martial art. And, and has that been interesting for you? Because I, I know you come from that judo background. You train judo at a very young age. Is it, is it, easy to mix the judo with the wrestling or was it hard to sort of like you know get some of those judo habits out of your brain and and change them to wrestling habits it's easier it it it, i can just adopt it easier you know yeah well that's that's awesome now i want to talk about the jessica penny matchup because you mentioned she's a fun opponent because she's an og of the division she's somebody who you know we look up to and we've seen it before But is there something that you like stylistically about the matchup? Is there something you like about the way that your skills match up with hers? Yeah, I do think we come from the same background. I think she comes from from the jiu-jitsu. Yeah, and she's more like a, I I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think she's more like a grappling girl, you know, and it's kind of similar to me and Poliana, you know, so I do, I do like that style. I think it's a good matchup, you know, and uh, yeah, I think, I think it's a great matchup. Well, I definitely agree. Now, I also wanted to ask you about the opportunity to be on this particular card because the UFC has a tendency now to sort of stack some of these huge pay-per-view cards. You know, this one's being headlined by the return of John Jones. Everybody's talking about it. And they seem to have a lot of prospects they want to hype on this card, right? There, there are a lot of people who are getting a chance to make their name in front of a lot of eyeballs. 
Were you excited when you found out that they wanted you on, not just, you know, a card soon, because I know you said you'd fight whenever, but a card of this magnitude? Yes, so I think everything happens for a reason, you know, waiting for so long, uh, and now I have to fight Jessica and finding this uh, B card, especially in Jun John's return, so I'm very glad for that, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm super hyped for be part of this card. I think it's going to be like, a legend there. Everybody's going to remember that. And uh, I'm just glad to be to be part of this history. And, and I've been asking fighters, too, especially fighters who've spent a lot of their, their fight time in the Apex. And, you know, you, you've been in the Apex for a lot of your, your career. I mean, like all of all of your UFC career, right, with the with the, you know, right from the Manon Firo fight. So you're now not going to be in the Apex. You're going to be in front of a massive crowd. Are you excited for that? Oh, I'm very excited. Apex feels like home for me already. So, you know, I want a little bit of challenge. So, yeah, I don't think I never fought in the front of the, like, 20,000 people. You know, it's going to be it's gonna be like my first time. So I'm really hyped for that. I'm also glad that I had experience to walk in with Yulia, my best friend, Sorenko, for her fight that wasn't teamable. So it's not going to be something, like, super new for me because I had the experience the experience so i'm like glad that i had that and i'm just gonna enjoy my moment that's awesome now i also gotta ask you know a chance for there to be that many fans in the stands do, do you got a huge contingency do you have a bunch of friends and family coming on out for the fight oh my god we have like a massive team and family come down and actually my grandma is coming from brazil her first time getting out of uh, brazil She's like 84 years old, and she's going to do the whole trip just to watch me. So I, I'm super stoked to have her here with That's me. That's amazing. Now, I got to ask, is has she been to some of your fights before? Is she a fight fan? She's a fight fan. Actually, she's the toughest one watching the fight. And the grandma shark. Being the first time here in the U.S., that'll be that will be epic. Oh, that's <laughs> great to hear. Well, b- before I let you go, I got to get the prediction on the fight. Of course, U- UFC 285 takes place on March 4th. How do you see that fight ending with Jessica Penny? I see it as a finish. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Tabitha Ricci, who fights Jessica Penny at UFC 285. That fight once again is on March 4th. Tabitha, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate Well, we have enjoyed that interview with Tabitha Ricci. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I want to start here. The MMA world has been talking about Conor McGregor's return. Obviously, he's coaching the Ultimate Fighter. We got John Jones's return this upcoming weekend. People are talking about it being huge for the sport. Now, obviously, for a couple of guys who've been watching as long as me and you have, it's exciting to see sort of some of those big names make their return, but... My question to you is this, is John Jones's return really all that important for the health of MMA and MMA in general in 2023? Ah, that's a loaded question and tough to answer in a short soundbite, but I will do my best to uh, truncate it down. Mm, yeah, man, what a question. It's good. Don't get me wrong. It's going to help their first quarter in terms of you know, every metric that they measure, uh, the countdowns, the embeddeds, so, so, so social media interaction on YouTube, and then the pay-per-view buy rate itself. Will it break a million? No. Uh, you know, he's not and never has been 
at that Connor level. He's not even at the Brock Lesnar level. You know, Lesnar came back, and I know there was a lot of hype surrounding UFC 200 on that as well, but Lesnar on his own coming back, being as big a name as he is mainstream, that broke a million buys. This isn't going to break a million buys, and it's a different landscape now. Not everyone subscribed to ESPN and wants to pay $75. I think enough people know about, you know, illegal Russian stream sites. It's good for the UFC, but I'll tell you what, had John Jones not come back, the UFC would keep on trucking. It's not make or break, if that's what you're kind of getting at. Yeah, and, and I mean that for the UFC, but I also mean that for MMA fans in general, because I, I think to your point, you know, like, he's not Conor McGregor, he's not Brock Lesnar, and it, he's sort of not those things because when he disappears for a while, he really does disappear, right? Like, you might see a tweet from him or something like that, but if you were not an MMA fan, let, let's say you weren't an MMA fan two and a half years ago, three years ago, and then you got into MMA, John Jones isn't on your radar. Like, you, you might have heard somebody talk about him as, like, a historical figure or somebody who was, you know, in the sport before you really started paying attention but he's not on your radar. Whereas like, if you were not really into MMA two or three years ago, you do still know who Brock Lesnar is. That dude is part of like pop culture right now with the WWE and stuff like that. Conor McGregor has found a way to make himself part of pop culture. He boxed Floyd Mayweather. He's got a a whiskey line. He's yeah. And now he's got a, a bar and he's punching old dudes in that bar. And like, He's found a way to be relevant for better or worse in a lot of ways, whereas I don't think that that's true of John Jones. So while I agree with you, it's going to be a boost for the UFC. It's nice to have one of the greatest fighters who's ever lived back in the sport as somebody who's, you know, likes to see the best people fight. I don't think he is quite the boost that I think some pundits are saying he is. So it'll be interesting to see what it looks like afterwards. Of course, it is being boosted by a second title fight um, and overall a pretty damn good card, but... Uh, it will be interesting to see how much people care about John Jones uh, during this fight. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Embedded debuted yesterday and is already somewhere near 800,000 views. That's you know bigger than a one-day Embedded for Glover's fight against Jamal Hill, which let's face it, you know those aren't like the hugest names. I mean, Glover's a respected name, but we know what we're saying here. And same thing, Volkanovski and Makachev, massive fight. You know, those embeddeds were big, but they're not this big. It's a bump, but it's not, it's just not that like, you know, uh, what do I want to say? It's not industry changing. I mean, the UFC is going to keep on trucking. It will help them as they have a TV rights deal come up and the pay-per-view rights would also be on the table as well. I think in the next two years. So you're talking about within the next 24 months, it's another thing they're just going to point to. This will get 700,000 buys. It'll do, you know, another 200, 300,000 more buys than the last fight did. It'll do 400,000 more buys, maybe even half a million more buys than what Glover and Jamal Hill did in the first month of January. So it's good for them. I guess I'm saying the same thing again. It's not life-changing, though, for the UFC, right? Yeah, I I think you could summarize it real quickly. He's a star. He's not a superstar. Uh, That's what it it boils down to. He will do... Some of the best numbers they have right now, but he's not transcendent. And I'll also say one other thing, His, and we'll get into this in a second. Tease coming up, Fight Dogs Parlay is our favorite segment on the show. His last three performances haven't been groundbreaking. They haven't been John Jones-like. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I know people are hyped on it. I am too, so I'm not taking away from that. But, like, he could go out there this week and get knocked out in the second round. And yeah, they pop this by, but it's going to be diminishing returns on the next one. 
I actually also have to say Connor's performances have been so putrid in my <laughs> opinion, you know, the last couple ones, like beating Cowboy to me in 30 seconds with a, sh- with a shoulder strike does absolutely nothing for me. I mean, Cowboy was washed, all respect to Cowboy. So to me, I think there's going to be diminishing returns on Connor too. He could punch as many people, keep his name out there as much as he wants to. But I think most people know, and especially the ones who tuned into the Khabib fight, because I'll tell you what, I had a lot of casual fan friends who were absolutely shocked at Connor's performance in that fight. And I think that sort of leads to diminishing returns. All being said, can't wait to see what happens. Hey, let's break it down right now. It's Fights, Dogs, Parlays. It's UFC 285. We're going to give you a couple of fights, break them down, who we like in those fights, a parlay to play, and who our favorite dog of the week is. But before we get to all that, Gumby, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? Absolutely. Fight Stocks and Parlay is brought to you by MyBookie. Your favorite athletes always strive to put themselves in a winning position, and it's time that you did too with MyBookie. MyBookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. Bet on the best in combat sports like the UFC or play for a big share of cash prizes in their weekly blackjack tournaments. Sign up at MyBookie and use promo code TOPTURTLE on a deposit of 500 bucks or more, and you can claim a bonus of up to $200. Once again, that's promo code TOPTURTLE to claim a brand new deposit bonus designed for betters looking to get that cash in and out quickly, experience sports in a whole new light, and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Well, it should be said, this is a John Jones fight, and we've seen it before. You know, we're taping this on a Tuesday who knows? <laughs> we'll see if we actually get there. You never know with this guy. All right, John Jones is a minus 155 favorite, zero gain, a plus 135 dog. And, of course, is Jones' debut at heavyweight. Jones, uh, let's just go through it. He absolutely saw Daniel Cormier all the way back at UFC 214, the head kick knockout. It was a thing of beauty. Then there was a performance-enhancing drug suspension, blah, blah, blah. He had to vacate the title. That became DC's reign. Now that Jones is out of the picture, DC became the champion. Um, that all being said, he came back a year and a half later, beat Alexander Gustafsson with a KO, looked as unstoppable as ever. Um, and then we had the three, the run of three, where Jones didn't seem all that dominant. Uh, he beat Anthony Smith in March of 2019, the unanimous decision. That was probably the best out of the three performances. Lost a split decision to Tiago Santos in July of 2019, that same year. Santos famously, I think, tore out every ligament in his knee possible, uh, so was injured by the second round of that fight. Looked good for, you know, a very brief uh, time in round one. And then a unanimous decision win over Dominic Reyes, in February of 2020, lackluster though. It didn't really seem like the Jones of old. So, you know, again, we're talking about greatness here. And when, you know, unanimous decision wins don't feel as good as prior performances, you know, you're talking about one of the greats, but that being said, it was not the greatest of performances from him three in a row, February of 2020, the last time we saw him. So here we are now, 26 ish months later, 25 months later, I guess. And he's coming up to heavyweight. And Gain is one of the best heavyweights the UFC has to offer. He was 10-0 and in his career before running into Francis Naganu, Lost the unanimous decision in that fight. Came back and beat Taitu Ivasa via KO. He is a great striker. Let's break this down. Jones, the 155 favorite. Gain, the plus 135 dog. Who you got? 
I'm actually going to go with the underdog here. I, I've been thinking about this a lot uh, pretty much since they announced it. Because when they announced it, it, Gain was a slight favorite. And I was like, there's no way that's staying. People are going to bet on John Jones. And, and I think the reason so much money is coming on John Jones is because people saw Francis Ngannou wrestle surreal Gain, right? People saw the last few rounds of that fight happen and was like, oh, you know, Francis completely blew him out of the water with wrestling. And if Francis can wrestle him, so can John Jones. I've got two problems with that analysis as a way of saying that John Jones wins here. First of all, that's predicate on the idea that John Jones will come in with a wrestle heavy game plan because do you know who else John Jones could have easily wrestled and dominated Dominic Reyes. Do you know who else he could have easily dominated and out wrestled Tiago Santos. Do you know who else he could have easily dominated and wrestled Anthony Smith. Do you know who he didn't dominate and wrestle any of any of those three guys? Right. He went in there and he had a striking contest with each one of them that he was barely winning. And in some opinions, like you, you sort of mentioned with the Tiago Santos one, some opinions didn't win. Right. Like some people thought Tiago Santos won that. Some people thought Dominic Reyes won that one. So like all of those fights, he was like, ah, I'm doing good enough here. I'll stay here. And, you know, so that that's the first piece I have trouble with the John Jones wrestling theory. The second problem I have with the John Jones wrestling theory is the idea that Surreal Gain will somehow be shocked at this wrestling, that he's not prepared for this wrestling, that he's not doing something to prep himself. Because I'll be honest with you, when Francis Ngannou wrestled him to, to those last three rounds, that decision victory, I think it surprised Surreal Gain. I, I don't think necessarily it was that, like, you know, Francis Ngannou's wrestling was, you know, outstanding or Gain's wrestling defense was terrible. I think it's just that he had no idea that wrestling would ever come to play in that fight. And if it did, it would be him that was initiating it. I, I think he probably went a 12-week training camp without thinking about wrestling. This one, it's on his mind. He just lost the fight that way. He's fighting a guy with a wrestling background. It's on his mind, if nothing else. I think Gaines the better puncher. I think he's going to be less rusty. I think John Jones is going to get too comfortable on the feet. And I don't know that game puts him away, but I do think he wins at least three rounds here. I think you bring up really great points. If Jones doesn't go in with a wrestle-heavy game plan, which we haven't seen in the last three, then I love Gaines' chances here. I really do. He's going to be, I believe, faster uh, when it just comes to classical striking. However, where I feel Jones holds massive um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Why am I blanking here, Gumby? Uh, advantages? advantages. Yeah, yeah there wow. you go. You got it. <laughs> I haven't had a lot of coffee. Uh, it's in the MMA IQ space. I think Jones will – throw things at game that he probably hasn't even seen yet. Um, you know, that nasty knee kick for one thing, elbows in the clinch. I could see Jones making it more of a dog fight and doing something. Cause I know Jones is a very smart fighter. He's going to pick apart Gaines' performances and figure out what are deep waters for Jones. Now I think deep waters are wrestling, but there also could be something standing that we're not even thinking of that Jones is going to throw at him. Jones, much like GSP, Anderson, Demetrius, what do those four names the all-time greats have in common? They're good everywhere. You know, Jones is good everywhere. And I don't think Gain is at that part of his career yet. He could evolve to it. I was shocked the way Francis worked on his wrestling. Who's to say Gain can't work on his wrestling? I don't think we've seen Gain's final form so that's a point for Gain, too. You know, we, we don't know what Gain has worked on in the last year since, you know, the, the loss to Nagano. 
That all being said, I also think Jones, if he were to go in and wrestle, because, hey, it is his first fight at heavyweight. He's spoken about being scared of being at heavyweight. That, to me, says he might fall back on what he knows best. This is a man who basically out-wrestled and more or less manhandled DC. Now, I know it wasn't a straight wrestling contest. DC would win that. But when you're mixing in MMA and then throwing in wrestling, Jones is a master at it, and he could certainly be a master at it this Saturday. But you bring up a lot of great points. I think the odds are actually right on here. I think you have to make Jones the favorite just based on the experience. But if we end the night with Gaines' hand being raised and then he's the favorite in a potential rematch, not going to be surprised. It's a close fight. It could definitely go either way. Anything else you want to say on this before we move on to the next? No, I I, I agree with you, too. If he does come in with a wrestle-happy game plan, sure, there's a chance there. Um, And I I do think the clinch would be interesting, too, because as you said, who knows what he's got for him in the clinch. But Surreal's got a little bit of a clinch work game, too. We we saw that against against, uh, Mm -hmm. Derek Lewis when he threw that weird elbow on him. Uh, So, you know, it's possible that we see a fight that we are not expecting here. Well, here's a fight that I think we are expecting. (laughs) Valentina Shevchenko is a minus 600 favorite to Alexa Grasso, uh, who's betting off at a plus 450 dog. Shevchenko, I mean, what do I really need to say here? She's on a nine-fight win streak. She has defended the flyweight championship seven times in a row, going for all-time GOAT status here. I, for one, cannot wait to see, like, a a Tatiana Suarez, an Aaron Blanchfield, someone come along and really push Valentina, and then I just need to see Valentina back at 135. For me, 125 has never been fully fleshed out. It's a newer division. She was the champion of it. Take nothing away from her, but to me, I actually have more fights in mind for her at 135 uh, than I do at 125 if she were to get by, let's say, an Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, That all being said, Alexa Grasso is on a four-fight win streak. Let's take nothing away from her there, Um, but she is a massive underdog in this fight. Who you got? Uh, I've obviously got Valentina Shevchenko. I actually, the, the price doesn't even scare me here on her because the thing is, you know, you mentioned the name Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, I think Tatiana Suarez has talked about, I mean, she did talk about going back to straw weight, so maybe she doesn't wind up being a challenger. But somebody like those two are interesting because we just watched Talia Santos bring the wrestling to Valentina Shevchenko and, and sort of put that wrinkle, put Shevchenko on her back, make her work off of her back, tire her out that way, make her hesitant in the striking, and especially with her kicks. That's the path to beating Valentina Shevchenko. I, I think Talia Santos has drawn the blueprint. I think we might see somebody like Aaron Blanchfield foul that blueprint to a victory. Do you know what's not going to beat her is like a much smaller boxer. You know what I mean? Alexa Grasso used to make 115. Uh, so we're talking about Shevchenko possibly going up, fighting Nunez again, maybe fighting somebody like Holly Holm. We're, Grasso could still make 115, probably. She's smaller, she's shorter, she's got less reach, and she's not going to wrestle you. Like, that that's just not going to be part of the game. I mean, like, you mentioned, you know, Tatiana Suarez. Tatiana Suarez tapped out Alexa Grasso in a round and a half. So, like, now we're here talking about Valentina Shevchenko, who's got a good wrestling game and a good jiu-jitsu game. I think she holds the advantage on the feet, and I think the second she feels like she doesn't, she takes her down and submits her. Correct. Nothing to add. All right, let's move then to Shafkat Rachmanov, your new favorite Uzbekistan fighter. He's a minus 500 to Jeff Neal, a plus 400 dog. 
I'll give you Neil first. He's on a two-fight win streak, split decision win over Santiago Ponzinibbio, and a big KO win over Vicente Luke. Nothing to sneeze at. You know, Jeff Neal, he's one of those guys. Does anyone realize here he came in at Dana White Contender Series all the way back in 2017? So he's been around now for going on six years, and he is uh, three, the interns on it, eight and two in the UFC. Nothing to sneeze at, and I think people sneeze at Jeff Neal, and they shouldn't, but he is running into a brick wall this week. He's fighting a 16-0 and professional fighter in Rachmanov. He's 4-0 in the UFC. Oh, and uh, he's coming off a guillotine choke win over Neil Magny, notorious to put away. Rachmanov, a minus 500 favorite. Neil, a plus 400 dog. I know who you're picking. Any reason to pick uh, Neil, though? I don't think there's a reason to pick Jeff Neal because there's a lot of things to like about Shavkat Rachmanov here. The big one for me is how long he fights. Um, he's going to be really difficult for Jeff Neal, who is a little bit of a stockier guy dealing with that length and that reach. And I also just think Rachmanov is more well-rounded, right? Like we saw in that fight with Cowboy Oliveira, he's got great submission skills that come out. Of, I mean, we saw it obviously with Magny too. He's got great submission skills in there. I think he's dangerous on the feet. Here's the one thing I will say though. While I said that the price doesn't scare me on Valentina Shevchenko and I'd still throw her like negative 600 to boost up a parlay if I wanted to or something, I think I'm staying away from Shavkat Rachmanov at negative 500. Because like like you just said, Jeff Neal's coming off of knocking out Vicente Luque. Vicente Luque is a freaking beast. And Jeff Neal, you know, nothing, to, to use your words, nothing to sneeze at. This guy has put together a great UFC career. To see him as a 4-1 to underdog against a guy who's 3-0 and with his best win being Neil Magny, don't get me wrong, I- I've got huge hopes for Shavkat Rachmanov. I think the dude is an absolute beast. But at the end of the day, I, I think this is mispriced. I-, I think this fight should be a little bit closer. Um, gun to my head pick, Shavkat Rachmanov. Is there a reason to pick Jeff Neal? I mean, if you like the value of that plus 400 line, I think there's a reason to pick it. But otherwise, I, I think this is just probably a big pass. All right, we'll round out fights, dogs, and parlays. Uh, our dog of the week is Trevin Jones, a plus 140 over Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, so I, I've been up and down on Trevin Jones and how I feel about Trevin Jones, mostly because he puts out pretty erratic performances where I'm not quite sure what to think of him. Uh, luckily, he's fighting a dude who's somewhat more erratic than he is and Cody Garbrandt. Garbrandt has shown recently that he's willing to just throw wild and could possibly get knocked out. And... He's been knocked out by dudes like Pedro Munoz, not known for their knockout power, right? Pedro Munoz, a submission specialist. He's fighting Trevin Jones, a guy who's really powerful. So I think, you know, the fact that that Cody Garbrandt keeps just going out and throwing haymakers and getting caught, I think this is a terrible matchup for him. They matched him up with the type of person who could catch him. Give me Trevin Jones and that dog money. Ooh, I like it. Our parlay to play is Tabitha Ricci in minus 230. And Mark Andre Barrio, a minus 125. Two favorites, but pair them together, get you plus 158 odds. Break that down. Yeah, so I love Tabitha Ricci here against Jessica Penne, mostly because she's just a beast when it comes to wrestling. I mean, she comes from a judo background, uh, both of her parents, black belts in judo. Uh, and then she added a, a really nasty jujitsu game, and it all kind of blends together with like a decent double leg takedown, too. She's fighting Jessica Penne, somebody who. If she can't get her own grappling going, struggles, because she's not a great striker. We saw it in the Emily Ducati fight. I just think we're going to see Ricci take her down at will here. Uh, and if she doesn't take her down, I think she could win on the feet, too. And with Marc-Andre Barrio, I think people kind of sleep on this guy because his UFC career started so bad. 
And we're seeing him in here against the guy in Julian Marquez, who's kind of one of those guys who's been kill or be killed. If he can't finish you, he has a really tough time. I mean, we saw it in the Maki Pitolo fight. Pitolo dominated him, controlled positions, and then got subbed. I think Mark Andre Dario stays away from the finishes here. He winds up beating uh, beating Julian Marquez here, and negative 125 is a nice price for a parlay. Boom. Well, that wraps up this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UC285. Let us know if we did you right or did you dirty with some of this advice at Top Turtle MMA on the social media. Gumby, we're having fun here. Let's not stop. What should we do next? We're going to transition now to my interview with Mana Martinez, who is getting ready for his fight this weekend at UFC 285. But before we get to any of that great content for you, I have to let you know that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Mana Martinez. All right, and joining me today is Mana Martinez, who fights Cameron Simon at UFC 285. That fight is on March 4th. So, Mana, before we get into talking about that fight, I I wanted to start by talking about your win over Brandon Davis. Another really close fight for you in a line of a lot of close fights for you. What was sort of your big takeaways from that fight? Because I know, you know, you were a little disappointed afterwards that the the win wasn't a little more emphatic. Uh, You know, at at the time... I felt like it was a lot closer than what it should have been. However, after rewatching, it was clear that as day I, I feel like I, I won. But um, learning and, and looking back from it, it just it's just a matter of me and enforcing my game plan from the beginning, Bill, and uh, not not waiting too long. I feel like sometimes I I kind of am a little bit shy, I guess in there if that makes sense and uh not willing to pull the trigger at times with my hands so uh that's my biggest takeaway and and from here on out i think that's definitely something i have to implement with my game plan <clears throat> and is that something that you've been doing preparation for leading up to this fight either physically or mentally to try to get ready for cameron simon yes yes both both physically and mentally mentally especially I, I keep telling myself you know especially since this is my last fight on on this uh contract that uh i, I gotta go out there and, and do what i know i'm capable of doing and that's uh going in there and putting away people as early as i can absolutely no uh you, you mentioned just now that this this is the last fight on a contract in in you know, you, you've had a good run here, right? Like, obviously, it, it's not like you, you haven't put together some wins. You beat Guido Canetti, had a competitive fight with Ronnie Lawrence, you beat Brandon Davis. D- does it add nerves to the situation that this is you becoming a free agent? Uh, no, not not one bit. Not not one bit, to be honest. Uh, I try to look past all the, all the, the technical numbers, I guess you could say, and stuff of that sort, and just go in there and do what, what I know how to do best and that's and that's fight at the end of the day man i've been doing it since i was so young and uh yeah there's no added pressure at all well that's good to hear that's good to hear now i I did want to ask you briefly about your preparation for the fight because i know that you you know you've sort of bounced around over the course of your career and you've trained in in texas and for a little while you were working at glory i I don't want to get your whole take on the glory thing that that is completely past now but i do want to know what what's your training camp looked like for this fight 
So as of now, um, from the beginning of year, uh, a little bit towards the, the late part of the last year, I uh, I recently moved over, well, we're back home, obviously, but I'm with uh, currently with Coach Bob Perez, Crew Bob. He's uh, most known for Derek Lewis's coach. So um, it's it's going well with him, you know. He's He's seen me through the regional scene grow up and fight a bunch of his fighters. So he's very familiar with my style. And uh, just off our first session, we, we click and molded very well. So I've been there for the past two, three months, and, and I'm really loving it. You know, there's a bunch of good bodies up there and good guys up there. So it's definitely been a, an, uh, an awesome experience thus far. Well, that's great to hear. And, and also you mentioned that means going home, right? That means being closer to home. Is that an added bonus for you? I, I know some guys have told me that there's a little bit more stress when you're close to home all the time in a training camp. Uh, being being away from home definitely made me realize how much family means to me. And, and at the end of the day, that means so much to me. To me, Like, uh, you know, missing out on, on my little brother and sister growing up, doing their, you know, sporting activities, my sister cheerleading and stuff like that. It just, you know, it kind of hurt not being able to see them. So now that I'm officially back home, it, it definitely, uh, it definitely helped me get that time to miss from them, but no added stress, nothing of that sort. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a blessing to be back home, man. I, I love training at home. I love being around my family and friends every day. So that, well, that's, yeah, that's great to hear. Now I, I did also want to ask too, cause you mentioned the regional scene and you mentioned, you know, fighting guys in the area I wanted to ask you about the fight that you actually punched your ticket to the UFC with, and and that's when you won on Dana White's looking for a fight. You beat Jose Johnson. We're actually recording this the week before Jose Johnson actually makes his UFC debut. I I was wondering if you had a take on that, the fact that the guy who sort of you beat to get into the UFC is now also UFC caliber. (laughs) Uh, I I spoke on it before, man, and I knew after I beat Jose – if if he stuck with it and you know kept fighting, that he definitely punched his ticket into the UFC. If you watch Jose, he's fought some of the best of the best, and his striking is is very high level. So seeing guys like him and another guy like Ricky Tercio fight in the UFC as well, it's just a it's just a nice thing to see, man, because it definitely shows that we were all deserving to be you know fighting at the highest level and uh yeah yeah those, those are some some tough guys man and who's to say we cross paths again one day you never know but i'll definitely be ready if that's the case <clears throat> i love it now let, let's get to talking about who is going to cross your path and that's obviously cameron simon coming up on march 4th now you've got him on this big card and, and we'll talk a little bit about it being a big card too but you've got him on this big card filled with prospects he's a young guy do you, do you sort of like the idea that you're fighting the guy with the big hype behind his name right now? I love it. I love it. And to be quite honest, I I haven't paid attention to the hype. Like, you know, um, I've got, you know, quite a few interviews done with me and uh, the hype keeps on being mentioned, but I, I, I don't really pay attention to the hype and, and I and I don't buy into it, not saying or taking away from any of his skill set because he is a good fighter and he's obviously fighting at the highest level, so he definitely deserves to be here. 
but uh, I, I don't buy into the hype. And, and uh, of course, I'm not looking past his skill set, like I said, but it, it doesn't bother me one bit. And, and fighting on the biggest card of the year thus far is, is even more of a, uh, you know, a better experience. And uh, it'll definitely be, you know, some eye openers for people who haven't seen me fight. And uh, I guess you could say, quote unquote, derail this hype train. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, you, you mentioned, you know, getting to fight in front of a big crowd. You did get to fight in the Toyota Center. But apart from that, you, you had to go back to the Apex afterwards. W- was it sort of a letdown going back to the Apex after feeling that crowd and, and not getting a chance to have another big one again? Uh, no, no, man. I'm just honestly blessed and I'm very thankful to be fighting for the UFC. I don't care where it's at. If it's overseas, you know, Vegas, Texas, it, it's just. It's it's my dreams come true and everything I've worked hard for just to be fighting under that banner for the UFC, you know, and and I and I don't take it for granted one bit. I I put in a tremendous amount of hard work every day every day for camp and uh and I just go out there and try to fight to the best of my ability. So it, it, the crowd doesn't bother me, you know. Being in the apex doesn't bother me. Actually, I, I should say I love being and fighting in front of the crowd, but uh I'm a fighter at heart, so I'll, I'll fight anywhere, anyone, anytime. Well, that person you're going to fight anywhere and any anytime is Cameron Simon. And before I like to end these interviews, I always like to get a prediction out of the fighters. So tell me, how's this one end on March 4th? Finish, well, obviously, me getting my hand raised. But I, I can definitely see myself finishing this, this kid. Uh, I don't mean to say kid because I'm still relatively young as well. But uh, <laughs> but I, I can definitely see a finish and uh the the knockout I've been looking for, you know, these past three three decisions, I feel like don't quite define the fighter who I am, and I'm growing and evolving every day, and and being back home and uh, getting a train with with everyone and and being surrounded by my loved ones is uh, really giving me that extra boost. So, come March fourth, it's it's gonna be a time for me to get my first official knockout TKO um, win under my UFC career belt. All right, well, you're here to hear first, folks. This has been Model Martinez, who fights Cameron Simon at UFC 285. Once again, that fight, March 4th. Mana, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. You're the man. Thank you, bro. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Picket, and MyBookie. And remember, you can check us out on social media at Top Turtle MMA on both Twitter and Instagram. And until next week, I'm Dana Gobi Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will catch you then.